Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create a six-figure MFR practice. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Not only have I been practicing MFR for 11 years, I'm also a life and business coach, especially for MFR therapists. My goal is for you to understand how to get fully booked, how to talk to your clients, and how to make sure they understand what's possible for them with MFR treatment. I'm here to help you stop under earning, overworking, and burning out. I'll lend support so you can create the MFR practice you've always wanted. Learn how you can do it too, even if you live in a tiny town, and even if you're just starting out, and even if you've ran your practice for years. Let's go. Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Heather, and today I have my friend Denise with me. And Denise, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Tell us about you and what you do, what kind of coach you are. Yeah. So I'm a business coach for yoga teachers and coaches, and I help them go from side hustling. So having multiple jobs or being in a nine to five, growing their business to scaling their businesses to six figures. Okay. Awesome. So people listening might be like, Heather, why do you have a yoga teacher coach on your podcast? This is for myofascial release therapists. And I just want to say that I know Denise, we are in the 200K mastermind that Stacey Bayman runs. Uh, we're in that together. We're mastermind sisters. And I just love the exposure I get to other coaches. And it just kind of proves that like coach is a coach is a coach a lot of the time. <laughs> like <laughs> I think that you're an awesome coach. And I also love how you talk about selling the experience and the result, having a signature offer, and then also talking to clients about what's in it for them. So I think that the way you explain this and the way you coach on it is a very good way for my clients to understand this in a different way, hearing it from a different voice. So that's why Denise is here. She's a badass at what she does. She's a Ah. multiple (laughs) six-figure coach making her business run. Tell us a little bit of your background. So you were a yoga instructor. You were also a teacher. Like You kind of have an interesting history. Tell us how you got into coaching. I do. Yeah. So I was a New York City teacher for 17 years. I've since resigned. I'm full-time in my business. But for many of those years, I had a side business as a yoga teacher and a wellness coach. And I then became a yoga teacher mentor because as I had more experience under my belt, I was getting invited to like teach in like the yoga teacher trainings and the 200-hour level and the 300-hour level and I just had a lot of people coming in my direction like I wish I could teach like you or sequence like you. And I was of the mindset back then, like, oh, if somebody is, I want to learn from you, I'll create a workshop. So I was doing workshops like all the time, but it was a hustle because I was one yoga studio to the other and workshop after workshop after workshop. And I was making decent money, but I had this this belief that I couldn't do that full-time for myself. So I just never treated it like it was a real business until one day I realized, oh, that thought is really keeping me limited. Like what if I could make six figures and the only people I saw who could make a living were people who had like a studio, a brick and mortar, like a wellness space. And I just was like, I don't want that. And this wasn't like the thing that I I wanted to do like my own thing, like not have a brick and mortar, just be online. And I just started thinking about, well, what if I could do it? And that just like shifted, like taking my brain to possibility and realizing that I wasn't treating my business like a business. Like it was this thing I did on the side. And then it became like the side hustle. And I started really thinking about what if like I'm a full-time teacher and I'm a full-time business owner. Hmm. Those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. It doesn't have to be like a 70-30 split. It could be 50-50 right down the middle. Like they're equally important. And I'm full-time in both. 
And that shifted so much for me because I started really strategically thinking about my business and making different decisions because I stepped into like the business owner mindset. And I had found coaching probably, I don't know, like the same year I was deciding that. And so I was like, wait a minute, this is how coaching can help me create a new result for myself. And so I found some coaching programs. I hired my first coach and it literally changed my life because... I not only had the belief that I was a business owner, but I started working on a lot of the other beliefs that come with leaving your full-time job. You know, I was a city worker, so the pension and my TDA account and a lot of the things that come with working, you know, in corporate. So I'm gonna get my my butt coached on all these things. And it really came down to like this was the biggest thing that helped me. It was like, what if I just made more money in my business that my pension becomes irrelevant? Mm, I love that. I don't think a lot of people stop to think like that. So that's really important. So for everybody listening, if you are on the cusp of leaving your physical therapy job or your speech therapy job or your occupational therapy job or your nursing job, because you want to go all in in your MFR business, and it's these little things keeping you there. What if you just explored that the possibility is, is that you could just out earn yourself now and everything that you have, all of your benefits, it just becomes irrelevant. Like explore that. How much convincing did you have to do of yourself? Or was it just like stepping into the belief of making that happen? It was like once I had that thought where I just questioned it, I was like, okay, what if I was making double what I'm making now, triple what I'm making now? Am I going to care? <laughs> I love that so much. The part where you had the audacity to think that you could do that too. Like, where does yeah. that come from? Okay, so this is the importance of being in a mastermind program, right? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. like I was surrounded with people who were doing things that were blowing my mind, right? Like I did not see that modeled before in the industry where yoga teachers were making six figures and coaches and people who were using breathwork and meditation, like that community, there was a lot of conditioning in that community around like it's got to be accessible and it's not about the money and all that stuff. And then I stepped into this container that other people were really defying some of the things that I had been conditioned around money and what it really means to have massive impacts and what true accessibility was. And I just went to town questioning so many of those paradigms that I just unraveled them. Like it was almost like knocking down a bowling pins, you know, like (laughs) you knock down one and it goes ahead and it starts knocking them all down. And a lot of the conditioning I had started to unravel. So it wasn't like I had to work super, super hard. I just kept reminding myself, but if I make double what I'm making now, like I'll just take care of my retirement. Because a lot of people think that their full-time job is what creates security. And it's not the job in and of itself that creates security. It's your thoughts about the job, right? Mm -hmm. If you think the job is going to create security for yourself, then of course it will, right? But your business can equally create security if you believe that your business will do that for you. You'll make sure that it does. You'll plan for retirement. Mm -hmm. You'll plan for now. You'll make sure your business is sustainable as a business and can also take care of you in your personal life. And then of course, you'll plan for retirement. So it's not about entrepreneurship or your job those things in and of themselves creating security, it's literally your beliefs that they will. And then you going to town, making sure that that's what happens. Yeah. It's not about like writing affirmations on the wall and hoping they come true. It's like really creating a plan for yourself and executing on it over and over and over again. Yeah. And giving yourself permission to kind of like learn as you go and all of these things. Yeah. 
And that's what happened for me is like, I was in a room where I was learning from people who were a few steps ahead of me or just Mm -hmm. had a different perspective. And I think that's, what's really important about having a coach is they help you see your blind spots. And then when you're in a group program, you get the collective wisdom of the group. (laughs) And it really blew my mind to hear like there was a coach who had made millions of dollars. Like it blew my mind Mm -hmm. or that somebody was incorporating somatic practices in their coaching business or blending some of the more energetic practices in their business. Like it blew my mind to see it and be in the room with people who were doing it. And it kind of gave me like inspiration and ideas for my own business. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. That's what I mean. I love being in a room with people that are ahead of me. Like I never want to be the top of the room. Of course, when you enter into the room, you're like, I can't wait till I'm at the top or like, wouldn't this be amazing? That must feel so good. But I just love to be immersed in all of the people that know more than me or that have more experience or that are like reaping the benefits of all of the work they've put in and showing all these other women like what's possible for them if they just Mm -hmm. keep going and if they don't just decide this isn't for them. That's what I see like with my MFR therapist. There's a couple of camps of people, right? There are the people that start out and their thoughts about themselves are like that they can't fail, they won't fail, and they'll just figure it out and they'll continue to do it until it works. And it almost like works right away because that's just who they are. Mm -hmm. And then it can be someone who's like, things don't work out for me, but I'm willing to see what happens if they do. And then there are people that think, I'll take this seminar, I'll have these skills, and then I'm entitled to this business working out for me. And if it doesn't, it's everybody else's fault, but my own. Yes. (laughs) Right. And that's like in any career field, I feel like not just MFR therapists, but anything, anything we see out there. Yeah. And I think sometimes the people who believe they're entitled to results, that's just a different part of the journey. It's all the same linear path, but we're at different parts of the journey, right? Because I even remember thinking like, oh, I posted online, I should have like people flooding my workshop. I remember being that person, mm-hmm. right? Just not understanding marketing or like the nature of the online space or just being so used to being a high achiever where when I take action, like I get shit done. That's the self-concept that I had. And yeah. then it not working that way in my business and actually like, oh, wait, there's lots of other things I need to work on. Like it's not instant gratification because you worked really hard. Sometimes you work really hard and you you may not be meeting your goals. And that doesn't mean anything has gone wrong, right? Like, mm-hmm. so it's also like retraining yourself for that. So I remember being that person who felt like a little entitled and then getting coached and then realizing like, oh, like that's just my brain, you know, so used to like, I hit my goals all the time in other areas of my life. And then entrepreneurship, it was just a different experience. Mm-hmm. And then becoming the person that's like, oh, but I'm willing to keep coming back. I'm willing to see how this works out. And now I'm at the place where it's like, yeah, failure sucks. And I can feel disappointed, but I also know it means nothing about where my business is headed. It means nothing about me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you get a wealth of information after you try something, and then you get to decide what you do with that information. You can make it mean whatever you want about you, good or bad, or you can make it mean nothing, or you can just use it as like a scientific experiment. It's like, oh, these are the results. What do I know about this? How do I want to change it? Do I want to change anything? Do I want to just keep going? So that's so fun. And the other thing I wanted to point out too is 
that willingness to just start and maybe not wait for things to be perfect and like just put things out like social media posts, emails, your online schedule, like yeah. just starting to put those things out without them being polished so that people have the opportunity to book with you and you have the opportunity to practice with those first 10, 20 clients while you're developing how you talk to them, how you schedule them, like all of your processes and and all of that. Yeah, I teach my clients, I coach them on this, that you sometimes have to just give yourself a new circumstance to have new thoughts. Mm -hmm. So many of the time they want to feel a certain way, like confident ahead of time. And they're waiting for the magic moment of feeling confident in order to take a certain action. But I'm like, sometimes you have to like do it, not feeling confident, give yourself the experience of doing something, not feeling confident, because when you're done on the other side of that, you'll have new thoughts about yourself. Sometimes like we can give ourselves an experience that will trigger new thoughts to think about ourselves. So for example, I had a client who like really wanted to pitch like a meditation program to her company. And she Mm -hmm. was just like, but is it going to work? And she wanted all this certainty and all this confidence ahead of time. And I literally coached her. I was like, I don't think you're going to find a magic thought right now. that's going to really create the level of confidence. Like you want certainty that they're going to say yes. And I don't think you're going to find some magic thought, like gaslight yourself into taking this action where you feel great as you're taking it. I think the coaching is, are you willing to feel awful as you like take this action? Allow yourself to feel all the uncertainty that as you take the action. And she went ahead and did it. And she was like, oh my God, you're right. Like I nailed it and I feel so good. And she raised her self-concept by taking the action scared. Mm-hmm. she gave herself the gift of being able to have new thoughts about herself that she can take action scared, right? That she'll survive it. <laughs> yeah. And did she decide that she could survive? No. Yeah. That's the magic, right? And it's like goes into just like every time someone offers their offer out into the world, like being willing to hear no and not make it mean anything gives you so much safety in your business because you're going to make so many more offers when you're like, oh, you're a no, you're a no. Okay, well, you're a yes. So let's go. <laughs> Who wants it? Who wants all of this stuff that I'm offering? Right. One of the biggest things I remind my clients is like, the no isn't about you. Like they're not saying no to you. Mm -hmm. I always think about it like this too. Like if people take the time to call you and ask you questions and then they're a no, like they're just really saying no, not right now to themselves, right? It's always no to themselves, not no to you. And also it might be in the next time, the next way you explain it, that gets someone to understand what it is that you're offering. Yeah. Let's talk about that whole like selling of an experience and a result. Okay. Tell me more. So a lot of people in my niche were selling like kind of drop-in sessions. That's what I consider like the old paradigm of selling yoga or selling coaching. It's, oh, you know, you can do a drop-in or you can buy a three-pack. And if you buy the five-pack, it's a little bit of a discount. And so there's nothing wrong with having a five session package, but that's not what people are buying. They're not buying the modality. They're not buying your time. They're like, what's going to be different about me after five sessions or after three months? That's really what we want to be selling our clients. And I think like moving away from drop in type sessions is really important because it gets you thinking about what is the result that I'm offering my clients, right? If it's not Mm -hmm. about them dropping in for a session, what's the overall result that I'm helping them get? Why is it 
important for them to keep coming back, right? Like that's the other thing. It's like, do you really think that they're going to get the result you're offering in one session or the result that they want in one session? Right. And then being really sold on that. (laughs) Yeah. So really understanding the results. So like for my audience, what are the results of myofascial release? What are the results if you come for one session? What are the results if you come for 20? It's totally different outcome. Like someone might have amazing healing in one session, just like you could have an amazing yoga session, but really what happens when you stay for 20? Right. And getting confident and comfortable enough to say like, but you're not there yet. This is the result you could have being pain-free, going on vacation without a cane, not having to stay in bed all week because of migraines. Like those are the results that you're selling. Right. That's so much more interesting to your clients is, oh, wait, I can be pain-free. I can have like, you know, 75% less migraines in a year. That's a result, right? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Being able to go on vacation and not use a cane and walk freely, like that's a result people will pay for, right? Not that myofascial release or yoga, a yoga session isn't of itself valuable. Like obviously we know that if we're facilitators of it, we know how Mm -hmm. valuable it is, but we really need to think about, okay, but what is the benefit of somebody coming and what is going to serve the client best, right? Some of my clients, they want to help people with mitigate their work stress through yoga and meditation. It's like, okay, do you really think a drop-in session is going to do that? Right. Even if they work with you for three months, there's maintenance that can happen on the other side or, okay, great. Now we've supported you with your stress. What's next, right? There's room to keep selling the results that this modality is offering your people. And it's really selling that piece of it, that transformation, that result. It's selling the experience of being even committed to your own well-being too Mm -hmm. over a longer haul. What do you think is the hesitation that you see with your clients or in offering a result? Like saying the words, you could be pain-free or you could go on vacation without your cane. What do you think the hesitation is? I think there's two things. One, that's the old paradigm. That's what everybody else, they see everybody else doing in their industry is selling like the drop-in session or the three-pack of come for three sessions, right? Like they're literally not seeing people selling the result. So I think there's like that old paradigm selling. I also remember too, when I first started as a yoga teacher, you know, this like 11 years ago, it's like, oh, you have to have three price points, right? You have to have your low, your middle and your high. And I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. old paradigm selling that may have worked for the last 40, 50 years. Who even made that up? I don't Where does know, but yeah. maybe it did work at one point. I'm sure that it did, mm-hmm. but that's not what works now. And premium buyers, like the people that you actually want to work with who are going to be committed to their own journey, committed to doing the work, they're the ones that you want to attract, right? So the person who's like, I only want to drop in, like, are they looking for a quick fix? Is that the kind of client that you want to work with? Right. Versus the client who understands that this is a process. It's not a quick fix. I think there's a little piece of just understanding that, but then what stops people from just saying like, I can help you decrease your stress. I can help you be pain-free. I can help you experience less migraines. Like, I think there's some people have that belief, like, well, I can't promise that result. Mm -hmm. I think that's what really stops people from just being bold in their marketing. Yeah. How would you coach someone on that? If they're like, I can't guarantee that this will happen. Yeah. 
And I get that because we can't go home with our clients and make them do like things when we're not with them. But I would coach my client on this. Like, do you feel it's an integrity with what process you've put together? So I teach my clients to create like a methodology, a process that basically if their client knows everything in this process, they will eventually get that result. Whether they get it in the three months or they get it three months after they've stopped working with you, right? Because there's like the lifetime ROI on working with you. There's like what result they got when they worked with you and then the lifetime value of that work. And Mm -hmm. do you feel like that process that you created for somebody, if they were to keep implementing it, even if they're not working with you, they got the result. That's really where you want to take your brain. And I also believe this. If you have even one client that got the result, then we know it's possible. Even if that one client is you. (laughs) Right. Well, I think that's why it's so important for practitioners that are in healing modalities to be getting the work themselves, like as much as possible, be willing to pay the rate that they charge or more or double. It's so much easier to sell when you have confidence that you're willing to pay the rate and that you have done it over and over and over again. So that would be like my tip in there too. It's like, do you pay for myofascial release? Do you pay your same rate? Do you travel for it? And are you willing to pay even higher rates for the outcome that you are seeking? And I think too, like some people might say, oh, well, I don't have anything wrong with me. Are you the kind of person that would pay for this preventatively? Right. Yes. And do you believe, right, that you're not the only one that who would? Right. Yeah, that's also very important. And do you believe that there are premium clients out there? Premium doesn't mean that they're at the top of the income scale. It means Mm -hmm. the way they think about how they consume the thing you're selling, like how they consume things out in the world. Are they willing to commit and come back over and over again to listen to your suggestions and to work with you as a team? Like those are the clients I want. I don't really want those clients that are like, hands crossed, like have to have a lot of convincing and they put all of the onus on, on the therapist to create the result, right? Like I'll work with anyone, but still, (laughs) I don't really like dragging people up the hill. (laughs) People that want to meet me at least halfway. Right. And it's being willing to let those clients, like the one-offs be one-offs and not make it mean anything about you or your practice. It's totally fine. You're going to get those. But if you focus on that you don't focus on all of the people that are coming or that have come or that will be coming that want to be those premium clients, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Right. Just to speak about the brain, like that is what our brain does. Like our brain focuses on, like I always joke with some of my clients, it's like, you know, if you're teaching a yoga class, you can have 20 people and 19 people were like, that was amazing. That was such a great class. And you have like the one person who was like looking at their, (laughs) their eye watch or like yawned and your brain makes it mean like, I was a terrible class. You had 19 people who were like, that was so great. I loved it. I'll see you next week. And that one person, and it's all story, by the way, we don't even really know what was going on, but your brain will focus on that one person at the expense of all this other beautiful evidence that you have. Um, And another thing about the way premium people think, it's like, first of all, think about it's your best client. What's the premium version of your best client, right? They don't want you to hold their hand. Right. They take responsibility for their overall wellness. They value preventative. They're like, this was so helpful in helping me heal this. And I want to make sure like I continue on this journey. It's like they're not looking for you to 
fix everything. And there's like a tweak that they're looking for in their life. And they're willing to pay a premium price to have that problem solved. Yes. And they're willing to show up and do it over and over and over again. And I think for anyone listening, like you guys know that feeling when you, you meet that client that understands, like without you having to over explain what it Mm -hmm. is that myofascial release is, and they make appointments, they book appointments out and they show up on time. And this becomes a priority. Like you can literally have all of your clients be like that. It starts with like the expectation you have and your intake process and how you talk to your clients that creates really good clients. You can even like help some of the ones that are a little bit lacking in these areas turn into a premium client just based on your patience and your willingness to be curious and ask questions and make sure that they're getting the result that they want. Yeah. I mean, I used to hear our coach say it all the time, like you create clients. And I really thought that meant like, yes, through the way that I'm thinking about my marketing and my offer, it's going to impact like how I'm showing up at my business. And of course, that's like going to create a result of either clients saying yes to my offer or no. But I've even like taken my brain to like another place because I was learning about like the psychology of readiness for change. Hmm. And people are on a spectrum, let's just say, for example, of like ready to make changes in their life if we were just put them in levels, like in categories, like level one is the person who almost doesn't even know that they have a problem. The problem is they're unaware. Yeah. They're kind of like unaware. They might even be in some victim consciousness. Like there's the problem, but it's everybody else's fault. That's maybe like a level two person. Like they now recognize it's a problem, but it's everybody else's fault. It's the job. It's the economy. It's like whatever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? So they're abdicating any responsibility. And then like your level three person is starting to be like, wait a second, I have this problem. And they're starting to understand like they have power to change it. So they're starting to take some responsibilities. What this might look like is they're kind of like looking for a solution. They're like, what can I do to solve this problem? They're educating themselves. So this might be for your people like, oh, somebody signed up for their email list. (laughs) So they're getting educated on what MFR is and like how it can help. Mm -hmm. Then you have the person who's like sold. I have this problem. I'm looking for this solution. And I really like, you know, insert your name. (laughs) I really like her. (laughs) And then you have the person who's, I'm booking a call and I'm coming to you, right? That person was ready for change. It's not that they're different groups of people. We have all of these people in our audience. We have all of these people on our email list. Like they're all in our world and our sphere. And we create clients because we can take the person who is in victim consciousness and make them become the client who's like, I'm ready to do the work now. It's just, we never want to only speak to the person who doesn't know they have a problem. Right. Right. We want to speak to the person who's like ready now. And the person who's recognizing they have a problem and MFR could help them, or like in my case, coaching could help them. When they keep reading our content, that's speaking to the person who's ready. They make themselves ready. So that's literally Mm -hmm. how we create clients. I love that you said that too, because I have a lot of people that I can't post on social media. Like I hate Facebook. I hate Instagram. I don't have anything to say. And also it's just like talking to a bunch of my old high school friends and my friends and family. But like, if you treated it like I am literally just laying the foundation, I am just planting seeds, I'm putting out breadcrumbs for someone that's on that unaware path, 
to create the person that is booked and coming eventually, like six months from now. Yeah. Because you have no idea who you're helping, Mm -hmm. right? And you may never get a like or a share or even any kind of feedback that someone is looking at your stuff. But if you just trust and believe that people are looking at it and you keep honing your message and how can I help somebody today with my words here? Yeah. Like imagine the body of work you develop from posting every day under that whole thought, like I'm helping someone today. Mm-hmm. So they come from that unaware client all the way through the spectrum to like booked and on your table. That's incredible. Like how much better of a client have you created because of that body of work you've made? Right. And I teach that, like, this is the teacher in me, right? <laughs> Who wrote curriculum for 17 <laughs> years. I think about your outward facing work to your audience is like your body of work. And it's never one singular thing. It's the compounding effect of your body of work. And somebody like first finding you and then consuming your content, consuming your philosophy, consuming your perspective, you talking about all these results that they can have, they start shifting in their mind. They start believing that this can actually help them. And then they get themselves ready. The problem is your brain is looking for confirmation that that's happening and you don't see it. You're not going to see them like open up their Instagram, go look at your page because they want to read your post. Right. You're not going to see them talking to their partner like, hey, I'm thinking about hiring Heather. What do you think? Right. right. Like, I'm thinking about going to get MFR because, you know, I've been struggling with this. And you don't hear that. You don't see them telling their friend who's like, I've been struggling with migraines. Oh my God, I'm following this MFR coach online, like therapist. She was just did a post on migraines. You don't see that happening. And your brain wants to, you have to believe ahead of time that you have influence. Ooh, that's a really good one. Yeah. Believing you have influence, like everything you post is influential in some way. Like, and it's literally like, I love to say this. It's just none of our business who is consuming it and what is the payout for that. It's just none of our business. We don't have to know. No. Like I was saying with people's psychology readiness for change, like you have people who are like, I'm going to buy today. Like that's it. They're ready to go. And then you have people who take a longer time to get to that place. And that's literally none of our business. Like somebody's buying psychology, Mm -hmm. like the way that they choose to buy. Some people like to think about things for a really long time. Other people are like, Nope, I know what I want. And I go out and I get it and they move. Mm -hmm. Right. And we love all the people. (laughs) We love all of them. (laughs) Yeah. We're not judging where they're at. Just like, I'm not judging the people that are like, I don't need any help in my business, right? I'm just like, I love everybody no matter what stage they're at. And I know that I can help them no matter where they're at. And when you have that attitude towards your clients, you're going to show up in that energy. Yeah. yeah. So we're running short on time. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Yeah, I think just to go back to the influence piece, right? One of the things I've been really working on teaching my clients the last six months is that really seeing that you have influence and what do you imagine your ideal client doing at home, right? What do you want them to be doing? Like if you want them to book a call with you, what do you think they're doing before they book the call, right? They're thinking about it. They're talking about you. They're like mentioning it to their partner. They're like, do we have the money? They're checking their bank account because they know it's going to be an investment to work with you. Like these are all things that they're doing before they book the console, right? Like they might even go check your website out or like click the console button, start thinking, is there a date that I can set up this console, right? They're doing all of those things, but they can't do those things. They can't talk about you, mention you to their partner, go look at their bank account and like putting a, a fund aside to work with you without you doing things. Yeah, that's so good. What do you have to be doing? 
like in order for them to share your post, you had to have been posting. Yeah. You had to have the audacity to post something in the first place. (laughs) Right? Like you have to be posting consistently for someone to say like, I feel so safe wanting to hire this person and talk about you to their partner. Like you have to be creating that no like, and trust in your marketing and through your email list. So it's like really seeing where you're not taking like ownership that you do have influence on creating clients in your business and getting to work on like really seeing that. That's so good. This is going to be such a helpful episode for anyone listening today. Go back and listen to this again. Listen to it multiple times until it really sinks in like how much building your body of work can create influence and take people on that client journey from unaware all the way to booking and getting on your table. That's the conversion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Someone not knowing you to you actually making a difference. And then you going on to sell your signature offer. I might have to have you back for another interview so we can talk more about that. Oh, I would love to be. This is fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun. I love it. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Denise. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And for everybody else, listening. I'll see you next week on another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. My goal is to help all MFR therapists stop under earning and burning out. I have several resources available for you. Read my book, The MFR Coaches Guide to Having Your Own MFR Business, available on Amazon and at Advanced John Barnes MFR Seminars keep listening to the podcast. I'll always have fresh content each and every week. Join my group coaching program. Enrollment opens four times per year. We take all the information I teach and lay down the foundation for your six-figure MFR business. It's more than just raising rates, but you'll make that the hardest part. Then expand into the business owner who delivers your rate like it's just the news and who can sell MFR to anyone in any situation. I'll show you how. Get on my email list, follow me on social media at the MFR coach and visit my website for more information on group enrollment, the MFR Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week.